Quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, Yes Guy, it's that time of the weekend again. Welcome aboard. This is episode 66 of Yes Guy. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Perry, how are you this week, sir? Doing great, Jim. What about yourself? Uh, very optimistic. It's that time of the year. Spring is just around the corner. Get some good weather once in a while and pretty optimistic about things. Baseball is back. I don't know if that sort of tips it one way or the other, but but looking good. And coming up very shortly, Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun will be with us. Frankie Corrado, Frankie C. in segment two. Charles Park, one of our sponsors, talking real estate in segment three. And, of course, Yes Guy, No Guy to finish it off. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley is ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 877 3055 or visit his website braleyadvisors.com he's been doing this for 31 years herb will help you do what you want to do with your money get it back to you when you need it the most financial clarity and comfort with braley financial advisors incorporated and introducing fox 40's new premium whistle the fox 40 titan in a sleek titanium body the titan emulates the authentic sound of the fox 40 classic available now in titanium gold or matte black go to fox40shop.com to get the fox 40 titan well, let's bring in guest number one. Steve Simmons is here from the Toronto Sun. Steve, welcome. How are you? I am fine, guys. Even though I watched the Leafs the other night, just, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat frightened by it. <laughs> you know, the, the goaltending story, I mean, you know, it's classic Maple Leaf stuff where you have this sort of seed planted and then it just grows real fast. So you go from, is Jack going to get it back to Jack Singer to Peter will step in to, Oh, that's not going to work. It's marvelous how that Leaf story goes that way on, on any subject, doesn't it? Yeah, but th- this one has has more, I guess, weeds in the ground than most because it's like in the afternoon, it's Peter Mrazek's job. You know, and at night, Sheldon Keefe wants to pull him on the second goal. Uh, if, if he has looked anything like an NHL goalie this season, I, I haven't seen it. And so to say that it's his net now, is is giving up the rest of the season as far as I'm concerned. So it's like, uh, it's a pretty scary time to try and figure out with all this Leafs talent, how they're going to be successful with that kind of goaltending. Well, Steve, I want to take this in a different direction because you and I have known each other a long time. I always tell people if I was going to start a sports section, you'd be the first guy I'd tap. But what I want to know is what gives you the energy and enthusiasm to keep doing it? I, I love the story. I love chasing the stories. Uh, I'll, I'll use this week or last week as a good example. Wayne Simmons played his thousandth NHL game, and I just loved finding out more and more and more about Wayne Simmons. And so I think I put together, you know, a really sound piece uh, on his career. And and so when you have that enthusiasm and that excitement and the, and the the ability to report and 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 enough contacts and phone numbers and things to be able to get it done. Then, then you can do those kind of pieces. And I, I had one with Harry Neal the other day, which I was really happy with. And I had one with the, with the, um, the new uh, director of operations for the New York Mets, a woman from Toronto. Uh, when you get on a story, and, it's, and you've been there, you know what it's like. When you get on a story and, and one phone call leads to another phone call leads to another, it's kind of like detect, detective work 
you know, the, the least attractive part of the whole thing is writing. I really enjoy the, the fact gathering part. You know, it's and I think we all have different versions of this. It's that curiosity. I mean, even at the start, you're you're curious as to how this moves forward. I don't think any of the three of us live on what we've done, but but it's what's what's next that drives us forward. So take us back, Steve, to the beginning. How did this happen for you? Well, I was in university, and I saw one of those little notes in the student paper. Would you like to write for the Gazette? I'm at the University of Western Ontario. And I thought, well, I'm first year. I don't know very many people here. You know, this would be a good chance to meet people. And I was involved with the student newspaper in high school. So, you know, this is a good chance. So I went up there and I found I just got obsessed by the newspaper business. And by second year, whatever I was intending to do, you know, as a student became solely about being at the Gazette. And all I did was work newspaper there and uh funny a lot of us coming out of that years those years at the gazette have done quite well for themselves in the newspaper business but uh i just got obsessed and i've been obsessed really ever since and i was fortunate to get a job at the calgary herald in in 1979 and uh i've been at it ever since and i'm loving it for, for the most part loving it ever since Okay, Steve, so that leads me to the question. I don't know of any sports columnist that gets as much heat as you do for stuff that you write. Does it ever get to you? It, it used to. Um, when social media first started, I don't think I handled it very well, and I kind of fought with people, and I, I think it, it hurt me at the time, and it probably hurt my reputation as well. But I, I've, I have, I've developed a, sort of a hard-edged approach to it now, um, it's not my job to be popular. It's my job to have people read my column. And if you read my column and, and you like it or don't like it, that's your, you know, that's your business. So if, what I find is that the people who supposedly hate me the most seem to be the ones who read me the most. So it's, it's, a, it's a very strange sort of dichotomy, and, uh, and I, I'm fine with it all now. You know, when we're talking technology, I think we all, all three of us have different sort of versions of this, but, but I think we're all bilingual. We were raised in a manual world, and now we thrive and, and work in a, in a digital world. Um, what does that mean for you? I mean, how has your job changed? Well, the, the biggest change is, is, is when you put, like, time was you wanted to beat somebody in the morning newspaper and, and have a scoop. Well, scoops don't really exist anymore in newspapers very much. What, what, you, what you have to do now is you write the story, and the minute you write it, you put it on, online so people can see it, and then, net, and then it'll be in tomorrow's newspaper. And so if you grow up like, like I did and maybe like Perry did, um, in the newspaper business, everything was about getting that story in the paper. Now it's about getting the story online, and maybe it'll be in the paper. You know, who, who knows? It's, it seems almost old by the time it gets to the newspaper sometimes. And so, you know, you have to put it you know, online in various places and, and hope that the digital world um, does its work. And one of the interesting things for me is, is our newspaper can now track every single story written, how many people have, have gone on it, how many people have clicked on it, how many people have read it, how much time they've spent on it. And so you know, they have a real um, feel now for who gets read and who 
whose column is read or who, whose news stories are read uh, on a daily basis. And it, we don't get the numbers. Uh, they don't give them to us, but we, every once in a while they sneak something your way. And the numbers have been very positive on, on, in, in my case. Steve, you broke the story a couple of years ago about Austin Matthews having COVID. A lot of people were upset with it. I know he was upset with it because he mentioned it one time at a press conference, but the NHL subsequently reported all those things. Did you feel a sense of vindication? Um, I was okay with the story from the day it occurred because you can't write a story like that one without, um, without probably having two sources to confirm the status. Well, one of the sources pretty much has to come from the Maple Leafs, correct? And so uh, I had, if, if the team itself was okay or someone with the team itself was okay with me writing this story. I was okay with me writing this story and the, the absolute barrage of criticism in retrospect seems so silly um, and small when virtually every person on that team has had COVID since then. And I think Austin may have had it a second time if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, but um, some of the others, so it, because he was first and because it was new and because it was hockey and because the rest of the media ran, like you wouldn't believe from this story, like it didn't exist. Uh, I, I was shocked by that more than I was shocked by, you know, how people reacted to a supposed invasion of privacy when every other league was, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was announced, Rudy Gobert was announced, and every, all these other guys were, were announced as, as having tested positive. And ever since then, like how many thousands of professional athletes have tested positive and had it announced by every league and every team? Here, here's the COVID list this week. You know, it, it, I've never had a chance to talk to Austin about it because since COVID started, we don't have personal conversations in locker rooms the way we used to. But, you know, I'd love to have that conversation with him when we get back to, you know, rooms being open and, and ability to converse outside of press conferences and Zooms. Steve, mental health and mental illness has become very uh, much of today's discussion. And I know that you've had issues with it. I think you still do. You've written about it, your anxiety. Does it help you to be able to talk about it and to feel comfortable talking about it because it's become a, a subject that people want to talk about? I've always kind of felt comfortable talking about it, like either to my friends or my family or whatever. Uh, so, but, but to come out sort of publicly is, a, is another thing entirely. Uh, and I, I think it's important to, for people who struggle and, and can communicate well to communicate their struggles because what you find is so many people struggle. So many people have issues. So many people have things that, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, in my case, it, you know, it starts with insomnia and then insomnia leads to anxiety and anxiety leads to other things. And, and it's, it's sort of this crazy thing that I don't know how to stop. And I've, I've had all kinds of help and treatments over the years and seen people and I've gotten some help that, that has worked, but I still have insomnia and I still have anxiety and I still have all of that. That uh, My friend Bruce Arthur once said that, that he was amazed that, that I could function on a daily basis um, um, with all that's going on with me. And, and I've just seen, you know, the job has always come first in many ways and I'm able to do, I would say most of it 
um, you know, with all these things, you know, hindering me, so to speak. Or, and and the other thing is, is that um, uh, <coughs> with in, I think I, I write a Sunday notes column, and I have for you know thirty some years now. It's all items in bits. I'm convinced that it it has led to my my insomnia because my mind races at night, and all I'm thinking about is what am I putting in the column? What's going in this week? What items am I using? Which ones am I taking out? You know, what's up tomorrow? That kind of thing. And it's very hard to turn your head off when you're when you want to go to sleep. You know, you brought it up. Let's talk about. Let's close off on that Sunday column. What does that column mean to you? How do you go about doing it? I mean, it seems like a relentless pursuit. Relentless pursuit might be the best uh, phrase that I, I could put. I used to love it, and by that I bet I loved writing it. I loved doing it. I loved putting it together. It's become harder and harder as social media um, has grown because now that's a story that comes out Tuesday is dead by Sunday. Story that comes out Wednesday now is, is basically gone by Sunday. So you really have to find and pick your spots. What I realize is that people now wake up Sunday morning, or if they get the email on Saturdays, this is this has become part of their week. And and I res, I respect the fact that people love this thing. And sometimes I wish I could just take a Saturday off or a Friday off and, and not have to, to, to put it all together because it is it's it's over it's 2400 words most weekends and that's a that's that's sort of the equivalent of three columns so it's a lot of work um, but because people love it so much and because I'm associated with it then um, you know I, I just keep going and keep doing it I think there's going to come a time where I'm probably not going to write anymore at all Monday to Friday and just and just do the Sunday column and nothing else. Steve, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much, and we'll be reading Sunday morning. All right. Be well, guys. Thank you very much. It's Steve Simmons from the Toronto Sun. At Simmons Steve is the Twitter account. And, uh, you know, I call him without a doubt. It's funny. You could do a lot of things, but you're sort of remembered for a couple of things as opposed to all of it. And that column is certainly a signature piece. There's no question about that. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley is ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055 or visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most, financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com for that. This is YESGUY on TSN 1050. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG, SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. This is Yes Guy, the radio show. Jim Taddy and Perry Left go with you. Pleased to have with us now from our Maple Leaf broadcasts and, and various Maple Leaf properties that we have. Frankie Corrado is here. Frankie C., how are you? I'm good, Guy. How you doing? 
Good guy. Let me check. Yes, everything's good here. Um, and so let me ask you, that, and I have to word this a certain way because I don't want to zero in on anything, but if you are on a team that a certain part of the team becomes um, almost embarrassing, like it just doesn't function the right way, and it, and it sort of puts the team um, in, a, in a bad spot at the start of a game, how do you deal with that? I uh, I wonder what you're referring to right now, my friend. But you know, it, it's it's funny with the Leafs because you know every every so often it's a different part of the team. And to give to give them some credit, they've been able to battle through that. You know, it's a team that you know they're five and five in their last ten, and we're talking about things that are you know bigger problems. But they're still finding ways to get points, and guys are still producing. But you know, at the end of the day, it's I always say this, you win and lose with your leaders and it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. So you have a support group of 20 something guys in the dressing room and, you know, it's up to everyone to, to pitch in and do their thing. And, and when there's parts of the team that aren't firing properly or aren't playing well, um, that's the reality of it. It is a team sport. You need someone to lift you up. And a great example of that is the Matthews line every night. They're bringing it no matter what, whether the goalie's not playing well or the defense isn't playing well, that line's doing their part. They're contributing. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what you look for in a team sport. It's not going to be perfect for 82 games uh, out of a season, and there's going to be ups and downs. And it's just, you know, how can, how can you pick up your teammates or the parts of your team that aren't quite firing properly and, you know, find ways to get points and get wins? Well, Frankie, speaking of teams, you and Jim have worked uh, a few times now. I want to know, before it actually started, did you have to do a scouting report to figure out how it would work between you two? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't do anything, actually. Um, our, our producer um, or program director, Steph, was, was nice enough to uh, set me up with the tap man here and put us in contact, and it was, um, it was pretty seamless. It, it kind of has a nice flow to things, I think. You know, Taddy's kind of just asking me what I see out there and I'm, I'm giving my analysis and insight and we like to keep it light on the broadcast, you know, go on a couple tangents here and then, but um, you know, it was pretty easy. It, it's kind of nice when you don't have to do so much of a pre-scout, you just hop right into the game, get in the saddle and get things going. Well, and, and what we do is, is conversational. And I'm going to tell everybody, and I, I talked to you about this last night, you have a broadcast vision that, that most athletes don't have in that you have asked for the out times for the segments and I, as i told you uh, the other night i've worked with a lot of people over the years and you're the first person that ever considered when the out time was and what that means for me is is that you're aware of when the segment is ending as opposed to driving it through the wall and causing a lot of stress on my end so where did that vision come from i don't know you know what i think because we did the first few games remotely and i would always look I was kind of conscious of it on our, on our program lineup. I'm like, okay, when do I need to stop talking? Because obviously these guys need to get their commercial breaks in. And, you know, I could just, if you don't know when the out time is for me, I can find, I'll just get talking in circles and, and kind of get repetitive and regurgitate certain things. So I just find it helpful to know, okay, if we're, if we're out at six fifty eight thirty, like I can start wrapping up my thought at, you know, six fifty eight, and then Taddy's got 30 seconds to wrap it up and that's plenty of time. And, you know, I should be able to plan out what I want to say or how I want to attack what I'm going to say in that time. I have trouble at times matching Jim's wit, which is really good. So I want to know, you're talking about hockey with Jim, then all of a sudden he says something that make you laugh. How do you adjust to that? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? It's like, 
and Jim touched on it. It is kind of conversational, which I like. It, it seems like it's more kind of long format, laid back. You know, I've been doing a little bit of TV now with the uh, with the CHL on Friday nights, and um, with that, it's almost you know you're going to have about 45 seconds to talk, and you got a little intro, get to your meat and potatoes of it, wrap it up nicely, and at the same time, you got someone in your ear telling you what camera to look at, or maybe if we're a little heavy on time or light on time, and so. With, with, with me and Patman, you know, if there's a little tangent and he makes me laugh, we can kind of just keep talking and, you know, go on that tangent and then, and then bring it back to hockey kind of on, on our time. So I, I enjoy both. And, and you know, with, with, with the Tatman, it's nice that we can have that camaraderie and, and kind of, um, you know, just, just it, it's a little bit of a different feel for the listener. Now, I just I want to point out something that you said that was absolutely music to my ears. You said the out time is is fifty eight thirty, and you're going to wrap it up by fifty eight. So so the Tatman has thirty seconds. God bless you. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people have taken it to like twenty nine, and I've got like a second and a half to rip off the uh, the commercial cue. It, it's just. I, I appreciate that so much. So, so let me ask you. I mean, you've got a vision. I mean, everybody brings something to the table. You see how how your part fits in with everything else, and and how you can contribute as as a broadcaster. I mean, that vision you must you must have that as a player, and you must have that in life. Where does that come from? I don't know where that comes from, really, because when I when I'm in the booth, I'm always trying to look at it through a player's perspective. You know, like we get the stats, we get all these numbers and things like that, but. I find it hard to actually like look at that unless it's something basic. I find it hard to look at these things and, and, and regurgitate them on the air. You know, I'd rather just put myself in the player's shoes because I do have a bit of a unique perspective having been a former player and obviously my circumstances throughout my career, for some reason, were always these unique kind of weird situations. And so even that kind of separates itself from, you know, the, the normal ebbs and flows of a, of a hockey player's career. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm just very much one of those guys that is somewhat in a box, you know, always kind of regimented and routine oriented. And I think that's something that comes from being a hockey player. You know, we always knew our, our nine o'clock meeting every morning and you're not even a second late for that. You're five minutes early because, you know, there's just no tolerance for being late for a bus or the plane or any kind of meeting. So I don't know. It's just uh, it's just something that's drilled into your head as a kid, being a being a young hockey player, that you need to be prompt and ready. Some athletes have struggled with uh, working in the media for for whatever reason. Now you're fairly new to it. Um, is this something you're comfortable with right now? And do you find when you're walking down the street, people say, "Hey, aren't you that guy on TV or radio?" No, no one no one says that to me about the media stuff. But uh, I'll, it's funny because when I first started dating my wife I was playing for the Leafs and you know early in our relationship she said to me so do people recognize you when you walk around and I said you know what not really right and then it seemed like every time we went for dinner downtown on King Street or something someone would be yelling hey Freaky Sue what's up <laughs> you know like I, <laughs> I would turn to her I'm like I, I this never happens I swear like I don't I don't know what it is I said maybe it's because they're looking at you and then they happen to see me you know standing next to you but um yeah I'm, I'm not getting uh not getting too much recognition but maybe you know maybe i'll just put myself out there a little more go for a little coffee downtown walk around alone see what we can cook up 
Uh, Frankie, I'm, I think I'm going to invoice you. I mean, I did that so many times for you when you were when you were dating your wife. Hey, Frankie, see, that was me over. In the, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but if somebody <laughs> says, "Are you recognized a lot?" I mean, you you can't answer yes because then you go out and nobody recognizes you. I mean, you have to say no, right? That's that's the, that's the issue. Like, yeah, imagine you said to her, like, oh yeah, I can't go anywhere in this town. Are you kidding me? I'm like the most popular East defenseman in the history of the world here. <laughs> like, and then no one recognized you. But you know, I, I always liked. Uh, you know, there's a few restaurants I like to frequent downtown, or I kind of familiar with the owners and stuff. And that was that was always the cool part for me is when you walk into a restaurant and you know your buddies with the guy, and it's like you really. I don't know. It's a nice atmosphere. It's very cozy. It makes you feel like you're someone. And, you know, that was always something I appreciated. We have so many, you know, small businesses in the city that are so supportive of the team and the players. And, um, you know, I always felt super welcome, you know, any kind of establishment downtown. You know, Frankie, when you were playing for the Leafs, there were some stretches there where you weren't playing. The media was talking to you about it. Do you now see it from the opposite side now being in the media, you know, the role of the media as it relates to players? Yeah, I don't, you know what, I look back on it and I always thought I had really good support from from the local media. There, there's always a couple of guys and, you know, you kind of like, I don't know, uncalled for comments and this and that. But for, for me, I always thought they were fair and balanced. And, you know, like I was saying to Patty on the broadcast last night, I have more of an appreciation for it now being on this side of things because we do need things to talk about. We need narratives to talk about I just think the balance is you don't need to bury a guy. You know, you don't need to really bury a guy. There's, there's other things you can talk about. And so if someone has, um, you know, a lapse in a game or, or a bad play, like maybe you can just highlight how good the play was from the opposite side of things, you know, because oftentimes there's, you know, there's mistakes that happen, but it's a world-class play on the other end. And so maybe you can highlight that and, um, you know, I, I've seen times where, you know, not necessarily with me or, or my time with the Leafs where things can get a little personal, a little touch and go between certain players and certain members of the media. And, you know, I do understand that from a player's perspective because, you know, it, it's, it's your job. It's what you're putting out there into the world. And, and, you know, no matter what a player tells you, you're a little, you know, you can be insecure and a little self-conscious about what you're, what you, what you produce. And so it is, you know, although it is nothing personal, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in it. And, um, but I just think if you're, if you're balanced and, and fair, and for me to keep, keep remembering that I'm a, I'm a player or, you know, still trying to play, but a, a former player in the league and, you know, look at it from that perspective and understand that that's where I need to come from when, when I have my analysis. Frankie C., let's close on this. Did O-Dog pull you aside when you first entered the building or first entered broadcasting, and what what, what might have he have said to you? <laughs> O-Dog, he gave me some great advice recently, actually. And um, the, the one was, you know, just, just kind of pick a side of the fence when, when you're saying something, right? You know, it's okay to say something was a bad play. You know, you don't need to bury a guy when you do it, but it is okay to say that. And when it's a good play, it's okay to give them credit. You know, you don't want to play too much in the middle because you still want to have credibility. And then the other one, which was a little, you can tell me what you think of this, is I, he, he called me once after a, after a broadcast. He goes, hey, he goes, you said in my opinion a few times. And he goes, everyone knows it's your opinion. You know, you don't need to say that. And I, I kind of, it was maybe a little bit of a crutch for me, but 
I, I found it's it's kind of helped, and and now I don't have to say that, um, you know, in the in the broadcast. And then he just said, he goes, watch out for Taddy. He might steal your popcorn uh, during the game, so just keep an eye on him too. But <laughs> no, that was it, really. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that you don't have popcorn around me. But what he said there is true. I mean, what he, what he's telling you is, and you you know, because we've talked about this, um, he's not he's telling you to get rid of those little phrases that that sort of buy you time to get you to what you're going to say. And, and that just clogs it up. And that's that's one of the, the O-Dog skills that he had right from the start. He would get right to the point. So that, that's that's very good advice from him. Yeah, and, and the thing I noticed, too, is the, the less I do of that, the more I can get into the meat, meat and potatoes of things. And maybe I don't need to get long-winded every single time I talk. Maybe it's one of those points where you just you get in, you say what you need to say, you get out and throw it back to you, and then we get into something else. It doesn't always need to be this long-winded uh, tangent. That's a pretty smart advice, in my opinion. Thanks, Frankie C. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Take care. Stay safe and stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is the perfect thing to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. You check out at fox40shop.com. Homeowners or first-time buyers, if you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact him on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes, Guy, the radio show. Jim Taddy and Perry Left go with you. Looking for an experienced real estate agent? Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So, looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service? Put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call or text them at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anybody. In fact, he is so industrious, He's with us now. Charles, welcome. How are you today? Good morning, Jim. I'm glad to be on again. Our pleasure to have you, and we continue to appreciate your support for us on Yes Guy, the radio show. Uh, you know, mortgage rates, uh, interest rates go up slightly, and this is everybody knows where this is going in, in terms of the rate increases over the year. Uh, what kind of an impact in the market is that? Well, it's funny that you asked that question because uh, just on my uh, mastermind session yesterday, uh, I had a number of my agents uh, commenting on how they've been scheduling multiple offers for their uh, listings, and in some cases, no offers showed up. So there has definitely been somewhat of a change in atmosphere in the market just recently. That's not good news for me if I want to sell my house. So Charles, what is the key strategy when you're working with a client to help them to get as many visits as possible. So you really have to have a pulse of what the market is doing. And so as, a, as an experienced realtor, I actually go out there and I will reach out to people who recently sold houses in that immediate neighborhood and try to get a gauge as to what kind of activity they were experiencing. That information is critical to any seller trying to considering entering that market at that particular moment. Now, as we all know things can change on a dime. That interest rate announcement recently, everyone was saying, well, it's not going to affect the market all that much. But when you think about it, 
you know, the affordability factor comes into play. So if you have to qualify for a higher percentage, then I think it's going to lower the strength of your buying power. So, you know, we can't discount that this is, this is not occurring uh, in, you know, in, in, in the marketplace. So we, as, as much as people like to think that this will have no effect, this will have no effect, well, it will have an effect on a certain you know, percentage of the population. You know, you, you opened an interesting door there, Charles, and, and I know this because I've worked with you. Uh, you know, you're talking about um, a sort of a live read on, on a developing story within the marketplace. Now, anybody could have a real estate conversation and throw out a line. That was, used to be one of my favorite things about real estate. People would say, well, it's going this way. But you are actually on the ground. You're talking to people uh, in, in certain areas and, and figuring out the sort of the real-time story in terms of how this is affecting the marketplace. You've had, as a broker, you've, you've talked to your your uh, staff and, and they've given you input and this is sort of a, a live developing situation as opposed to somebody who might be concerned about uh, cutting a commission or whatever the commission is and, and not being concerned about the service that you would provide. Absolutely. As a full service brokerage and as a full service uh, real estate uh, practitioner, uh, I make it a point to make sure that my clients are the most well-informed individuals uh, in the marketplace. So it's really important that that, that high level of communication uh, exists. And also, it, it's asking the right questions. I get phone conversations from, from I just got a comp, phone call yesterday from a former agent that used to work with me who decided, you know what, I'm going to call Charles because there's something weird that's happening out there. They just listed a property in Bowmanville and got, you know, it's been on the market for four days and not a single showing booked. And they thought that they had actually Whoa. priced that property low. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, could that be buyer, what we call buyer fatigue? I get it. There's a lot of people that have been in the marketplace right now. have gotten beat up on multiple offer situations. They're getting a little bit tired. But one of my agents actually brought up a very good uh, a reminder of what happened around this time last year. As the COVID restrictions started to loosen up and people started experience a little bit more freedom. And you know, we know that people are leaving for March break this weekend. There, 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 there is other things that are distracting the, the consumer right now. So could that be playing a factor as to why people aren't booking appointments for our, these, these vast amount of listings that are just come up, hit the market because, you know, we were always complaining there's, there's a lack of inventory, there's a lack of inventory. Okay, now the inventory is, you know, somewhat shown up, but where are the buyers? You know, Charles, my daughter is hoping to become a buyer within the next year or two, but right now affordability is a huge issue. My wife suggested the possibility of maybe selling our house, buying a property so that my daughter could get into that as a kind of a co-owner. Is that a strategy that, that people are trying to do? Well, Terry, the bank of mom and dad is alive and well, uh, more so <laughs> this decade than previous <laughs> decades in the past. <laughs> and, and as Jim and I both know, we have, we have mutual clients and mutual friends that, that have, have tapped into that resource. So uh, if you're uh, a loving parent and you do care about the potential of your child owning real estate sometime in the future, the best time to buy real estate is now. Or, well, actually, the best time to buy real estate would have been yesterday. But you know what? The second best time to buy real estate is now. The worst time to buy real estate is tomorrow. So the, the faster that you can help these people get into the market, because let's, like, I was going to you know, share a few little statistics with you guys today, because I know how much your viewers, your, your, your listeners love statistics. You know, for the first time in the history of the city of Toronto, a detached home has broken the $2 million average price point. That is an incredible oh. number to be to be looking at. $2 million in the 416 
for an average detached home. That is just absolutely incredible. So we know that prices continue to go up. Yes, the market is slowing down. The buyers are distracted. They're taking vacations. They're, you know, it is a great time to be a buyer right now because I will tell you this. Although we've, we've seen these little hiccups uh, in the marketplace, we, do, we, we always rebound from them. So for anybody who's a, a buyer who's looking for an opportune time to enter the marketplace, now is the right time. You know, I, I've said to you many times that the real estate market is the best at correcting itself, and, and it eventually does. So are you willing to say now that we've gone from a seller's market to a buyer's market? It's a, it's, I would say it's a little bit more balanced. I'm obviously seeing a lot more, um, depending on what market you're in. Uh, obviously, the bigger the house, right, the more uh, desirable it is. It is harder to sell smaller square footages uh, for obvious reasons for the last two years. But uh, if, if you're... If you've been waiting, you've been sitting on the sidelines, you've, you've actually been losing out because you've been watching the prices go up and up and up and up and up. You know, from this time last year in the 416, prices have gone up 23%. And, you know, I know that the 905ers are, are outpacing the 416ers. Their pricing have gone up 32.9%. Is that sustainable? No, it's not sustainable. But do we think that real estate is valuable? Of course we do. Do we think that it will go up? Of course it will. It's the most solid blue chip investment you can ever make. Well, Charles, you talk about affordability and for people who wanted, like, as I said, a first time buyer, how much mm -hmm. of the total price, the percentage would you say they need to have to just put down to make, you know, the lending companies feel comfortable and just for their own, you know, sanity and, and, and whatever. This would be an excellent question for Dean Romani. <laughs> I think Dean would be more qualified <laughs> to answer this question. However, I will say this. Uh, I've seen, because I'm on the uh, sort of, you know, we, we, this, the last offer I accepted on my last listing was a conditional offer on financing. Bank of Mom and Dad were definitely involved. Uh, from my conversation with that agent, because we have these open conversations with people that are looking to buy our listing. You know, we want to feel comfortable. To take a conditional offer when you've got eight other offers sitting on the table, non-conditional, but the top offer is conditional. I looked at my clients and said, you know what? You guys haven't bought yet. You guys are in a situation where you can actually take a conditional offer because you, you, you've taken no risk here. Let the people go out and be satisfied that they have a mortgage in place. Isn't that better than taking a risk? Uh, just to wrap that story up, how did that work out? It worked out excellent for my clients. So they were uh, in a situation where they're like, you know what, Charles? We love the price, but they came with conditions. Hey, you and I both know back in the early days, almost all offers came with conditions on financing and inspection. Yeah. <laughs> it, was just, it was just something yeah. that was normal, right? And, and so why, why do we... Why, yeah, could we, could we not go back to that? Of course we could go back to that. You know, the whole premise of, you know, unconditional offers being the norm is... Is, is, is absolutely crazy. Give people the opportunity to be satisfied because here's the worst case scenario. What if someone is unqualified to buy the property, they've submitted a, a, you know, an unconditional offer and they're not able to close? What have you created? Yeah, a mess. <laughs> a mess. <laughs> Charles, thanks. For, yeah, Charles, thanks very much for stopping by. Very informative. Thank you and appreciate your support. Great. Look forward to the rest of the show. Thank you. That's Charles Park. So we talked about what he does for your listing. 
But if you're in the real estate business, if you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call Charles at 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Be prepared on the ice with Fox 40 hockey products like the Fox 40 Call, Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, no guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now to end this particular edition of Yes Guy, the radio show with Yes Guy, no guy. Yes Guy, no guy, number one. Go ahead, sir. You have a greater appreciation for Frankie Corrado because he told you he's cognizant of you going to break and he has to be quiet and let you do your thing. Oh, that is, that is heaven. I, I mean, I've talked to him about it. I mean, I have worked with a lot of cats over the years, and nobody has ever asked me when the out time is. And I just, when he did that, I went, oh, thankfully, everything does happen once. Absolutely an emphatic, a hard yes guy. Yes guy, no guy from here. Take me out to the ball game. No guy. This is a tragedy which these people, <laughs> the owners, players, Multi-millionaires, zillionaires have basically taken the fans hostage. So this, this is terrible. Everything that's going on in the world right now, these guys decide, well, we're going to see how much money we could make, who's going to make more. So shame on Major League Baseball. Shame on Rob Manfred Mann. Go ahead, sir. Second Frankie Corrado question. It's okay to say, yeah. in my opinion, Uh, that was, uh, you know, that is sage advice from O-Dog 9-2. That is, you know, really smart because what, what happens is if you say that, then you're going to develop a bunch of catchphrases that buy time so you can actually say what you're going to say. And as O-Dog said it very properly and succinctly, just say it. You don't need the catchphrase or, or what I call the search sentence to figure out what you're going to say. Just say it. So, yes, guy, I do. I, I, another yes, guy for Frankie C. Yes, guy, no guy, number two from here. You are correct to be concerned about Leaf goaltending. Yes, Guy. I said that last week, and this was going to be my question. You kind of like poo-pooed to use the expression, so now you get it. There is a definite problem with their goaltending. Oh, I'm telling you, you could hear a pin drop. You could feel the anxiety when the second goal went in on Thursday night. Uh, just because it was a fan shot and the goaltender lost his stick and the first one wasn't great either. And it's like, oh, no, guy, what is this? Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a problem. Go ahead, sir. Okay, following up on that, do the Leafs, does Kyle Dubas have to make a trade for a goalie? Um, I'm going to say no, guy, uh, but you know, with a proviso. Uh, so I'm going to veer all over the place. I mean, he really has to do what's best for the franchise because he's the general manager. And at some point, if there's failure, somebody might look back and say, what was your reason for not doing anything? And he has to have that answer. Uh, and there's no guarantee that if he did something, that would solve the problem. I can't think of a more precarious thing than to go into the trade deadline, find a goalie who could lead you to playoff success. How many times has that happened? It usually blows up. So he's in a very tough spot. So I, I don't know that I answered that, but... Uh, that's a tough one. So was that an O guy or a yes guy? What was it? Help me out. It was an all-over-the-place guy, something I would do, and you just did it. 
Yes. Okay. Well, on that note, I want to thank our guest, Steve Simmons. I really enjoyed the conversations we had. Steve Simmons, Frankie C., Frank Corrado. This guy is going to go on to big things in broadcasting. No question about that. And Charles Park gave you sage real estate advice. So the market is changing as we speak, which is noteworthy. If you've got somebody who's representing you, think about Charles Park first because he's wired in. He knows what's happening as it's developing as opposed to somebody who's going to throw a line at you to say it's probably this way. Charles Park will know. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed Episode 66 of Yes Guy. Come back next week for Episode 67.